Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. Good evening and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm thrilled to be with you today to offer homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in a life that is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes exciting. Each week I entice an unsuspecting, hugely fascinating person to join me for part of the show. I offer intangibles like social media exposure when my website is cooperating. I would hand around cucumber sandwiches and iced fancies with beakers of sparkling water if I was face to face. I really am very sociable. My fearless guests join me anyway to talk about aspects of family life, which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. My guest today is returning to my show because we had such a lot to talk about on her first visit in June. Renee Tugar, a homeschooling mum living in Canada, is going to chat today about creativity, so you'll want to hang around. On the family front, I'll be talking about garage band, mob, flash mob, and excitement on the job front. So sit down with me and take a sip of cold beverage. I'm all set to get started, so what are we waiting for? I do a lot of writing, and during the odd day of summer, I used to take my computer outside, but the sun would glare on my screen and cause me more trouble than it was worth. So I've decided to stay inside and watch the summer's day unfold from behind my picture window, opening onto the rose bushes and grounds of the flats. From here, I can watch the squirrels climbing the wall to the balcony upstairs, where our neighbour Trudy has several bird feeders for the delicate robins and chaffinches. I also hear her trouncing the rodents with a clap of her hands and a go away, shoo, shoo, and the culprit comes bounding down the wall onto the fence as if he's been thrown overboard. Other unwelcome guests at the bird feeder are magpies and pigeons. If you saw these birds, you'd understand. They're the size of small chickens, well, almost, definitely a small duck. Trudy doesn't seem to mind them so much. I watch the foxes cross back and forth marking their territory and the magpies guarding their metres of worm-laden lawn. It feels as though I'm outside without the glare, so I don't feel as though I've been cooped up inside when I sit at my screen for hours. Dorts got off work early last Saturday. She was supposed to work until 7.30 and she got off at 6. And all the trains were stopped because of signal failure on one stop on from Beckenham Junction at Shortlands. Well, you don't know where Shortlands is, but it's one stop on from Beckenham Junction. She needed to find a bus to get her home, although she could have figured out another train route. She preferred to go with someone who had experienced this closure before and who lived in Bromley, close to where Dawes needs to be. She had heard, overheard this lady asking um, the bus conductor which bus would get her to Bromley South. So she pricked up her ears. She's such a trooper. She got home two long hours later with plenty of stories to tell. The first bus she caught took her to Lewisham. Now, Lewisham's a really rough town close by. I was texting her and told her that she could get a bus from Lewisham instead of getting a bus to Bromley South and then another bus back to Beckenham. And uh, the one from Lewisham would take her to the high street just outside our church. I'd done it lots of times when my mother is in hospital there. The driver knew nothing, she said, and was probably really irritated that he had a busload of people trying to work out their varied connections. So fed up he was, in fact, that after about 30 minutes of slow traffic, he announced to all the passengers, if anyone needs to get off this bus between now and Peckham, you need to do so, because I'm taking a detour because of a car crash along my normal route. Well, no one got off. They all evidently wanted to go to Lewisham. And Malia was sitting with her two travelling buddies, and they watched outside as they turned right past a park, right alongside a badly beaten-up car, right down a street with a church, right again to a park with a pond, 
and then they saw the badly beaten up car again and found themselves back where they'd started. They'd made a complete circle. The bus driver just stopped the bus, turned off the engine, which is always a bad sign, and told everyone to get off and get on the 28 behind them. She said he evidently had had enough or just wanted to go to the toilet. They all piled on the already busy bus behind them and Dortz watched the world go by from a standing position, hot and sticky and ready for home. When they got to Lewisham, she said goodbye to her travelling friends and met a girl at the bus stop who was catching a bus to where the 54... Trying to say 57, the 54 to Beckenham left from. And Dort said this girl knew all of the bus numbers and where they were going. And she tagged Dort's along with her in search of a bus stop with the number 54 on it. They weren't walking, they were on another bus. Dort's eventually stood and waited for a long time for her 54. And while she was waiting, she was approached by a young man. Now, thank goodness it's full daylight here otherwise she would be really worried if it was dark anyway she was approached by a young man who wanted 50p she said she had nothing feeling the weight of several pound coins in her pocket but she wasn't going to give him any of that and then he asked her how old she was old she said as if she said she looked older than him and um, he was feeding her pickup lines for goodness sake asking her where'd you get your hair done and what are you doing and where do you live and she was getting really antsy and she desperately wanted the bus to come and she was texting us finally it arrived and she sat upstairs where there were some rowdy drunks these young guys she had her earphones in to make it look as though she was engrossed in something and she was texting me furiously things like omg or now what or I don't believe this. They were starting to sing and make nuisances of themselves. I suggested she audio record them and she texted, I don't want to get knifed. Finally, they got off. She said the parts of London she had driven through were so rough she appreciated how classy Beckenham was by comparison. Yep, in driveways we have Ferraris and and Maseratis and we have Jaguars and Minis. The drunken, disorderly gang finally got off the bus and a lady followed them down the stairs, yelling abuse at them. Malia's got her fingers in her ears. She obviously wasn't worried about being attacked. She probably had a knife of her own hidden somewhere. We were still sitting outside our flat on our patio enjoying the evening sun when she made it home finally. Next time, she says, she's taking a taxi. Our national transport system is brilliant, except when it goes wrong. While getting to know my guest Renee Tugar before we chatted on air, she told me that on listening to a couple of my shows, she did her research too, she felt I'd been squeezed dry as a child, especially at my boarding school, and yet somehow I had turned out well. My response to this observation was, I'd always thought there to be more to life than what was being offered to me. I hung on to the notion that my childhood was different and only lived by the privileged few and once and and only lived by the privileged few and once I was released from my obligations as a dependent daughter my life could go the way I directed it or the way God directed it. Furthermore I suggest to Renee that I believed I had a family member praying for me laying down a path of provenient grace to protect me and guide me. It was my paternal grandmother. I know she loved me as her own. Her desire for a girl hadn't been realised and I was her daughter in her heart. She was my faith mentor, a witness to the power of prayer, but that's a story I've told before and will no doubt tell again. In hindsight, as I've walked that path of prayer laid down for me by my grandmother, I felt protected emotionally and physically, no matter my circumstances. With age, I've come to imagine myself flanked by burly bodyguards, my guardian angels. This is a powerful image that accompanies me daily. My children, though, felt differently about their growing up. They admit to surprise when they discovered not all homes were like theirs. They fully expected everyone to have a cinnamon roll day, eat donuts on Saturdays, have a meal out on Fridays, clean the house on Thursdays, have second breakfast on Saturdays, go to Mass on Wednesday evening and Friday morning, share a bedroom, not watch television, enjoy the ritual of Stations of the Cross, holidays in Galveston, have English grandparents act in plays at the local theatre, 
own a dog named Watson, homeschool, and enjoy a father who worked from home. As young adults, they admit to almost chastising us for not warning them that the whole world out there didn't function according to the life of MacNinny. They didn't seem relieved when they discovered these anomalies. They didn't. They seemed disappointed that someone, everyone else's lives, didn't have the richness and diversity that ours did. Comments like these: "I wouldn't change anything about my childhood. I wouldn't let my children go to school. I couldn't bear to think of them experiencing something without me. My childhood allowed me to explore my world safely and to fail without fear." Homeschooling was wonderful. I wouldn't have been able to do what I did growing up without it. Those comments vindicate our decision to keep them at home and build a special place for them in our hearts and lives. Always present, always available, always supportive. Never too busy to listen, watch, or take part. For me, without ever going to a friend's house for tea because of reciprocating rules, I was too—I was too young to understand. I still knew their lives were different behind their closed doors, and I wanted to know how. From the age of six years old, I was awakened to the flaws in our home. I was too young to name it, but I felt it, and I've always trusted my feelings. Comments from my father's friends and colleagues when we were abroad and finally allowed to go out for tea and attend parties described a man I didn't recognize—a lovely man, kind and gentle, patient with a wicked sense of humor. At home, life for him was a serious business. Supporting a wife and a family was a struggle. His face was locked in an ever-present scowl. He was a fine father, don't get me wrong, but lovely, kind, funny. I pussyfooted around him, afraid to awaken his wrath, but at the same time wanting to be near to him. And I can't imagine myself or any of my guests being unapproachable parents. I think what happened when I was young is generational. Today we're encouraged to be so much more involved in our children's lives, aren't we? None of this children should be seen and not heard Victorian nonsense for us. Before I go on my break, let me remind you about my returning guest this week, Renee Tugar. Renee lives in a house on the side of a mountain in the Gaspé Peninsula of Quebec, in Canada. She is a lifelong homeschooler of three children, ages fourteen, twelve, and ten. Her husband is a computer technology expert, and together they're a family of writers, artists, engineers, homemakers, naturalists, adventurers, readers, programmers, idealists, photographers, hikers, and followers in the way of Christ. That's a lot, isn't it? As a location-independent family, they live, work, and play together all day, every day. Renee is creative with a practical perspective and a down-to-earth approach. She excels at getting things done, but doesn't forget to smell the daisies in the meantime by capturing the beauty around her on camera. Today, Renee is bringing her creative spirit and a cup of tea to my show after this short break here on the Sociable Homeschooler. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriended is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom、um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have、mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon, starting at three, two central on Toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. 
Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm talking to Renee Tugar today. She's returning to my show the last time we were together. We spoke about her marriage and how saying I'll be your partner over and over again is something that you do throughout your married life as you change, as you both change. We also talked about nutrition, which is a very hot topic at the moment in in everybody's lives. Um, Today we're going to be talking about creativity and Renee has some very good um, ideas and tips about creativity. She believes that creativity is in all of us and that somehow it's important for the rest of our lives to be able to tap into that creative niche that we might have. So Renee, tell us, tell us about how you bring creativity to your household and to your homeschooling with your children. Yeah, you know, I'm really happy to be able to talk with you about creativity. It's one of these uh, things that's really important in my own life, and I love sharing that with other people because I feel like when people and women and children, and I guess men, I don't, you know, talk to men so much or even write a blog for men, but but when when we tap into our creativity as people, I feel that we are more fulfilled and we open ourselves up to a whole bunch of new life opportunities and ways of understanding the world that we wouldn't if we're, if we're not looking at life through that kind of creative lens. And what's interesting about this for me is that um, I, I didn't used to think of myself as creative and it wasn't until I had children and started to watch them grow and develop. So this was in their preschool years. Mm -hmm. And I saw what they were doing and the way they uh, looked at the world in terms of they would just do anything, like without, you know, with abandon and without any kind of preconceived notion of this is the way you have to do it. I mean, these are preschoolers. You know what preschoolers are like. Mm -hmm. So, um, and when I saw them doing that and I saw them, creating and of course the things that they were creating weren't you know fine art masterpieces they were things that they did just for joy just because it's fun to muck about in the dirt and just because it's fun to move the paintbrush across the paper and it's fun to just just do all these kind of hands-on uh physical expressions mm-hmm. um and you know in body movement and dance and things and as i watch them do that um, and just, they, I guess they really taught me that creativity is in us. It's in all of us. And that if we give ourselves, um, the time and allow ourselves to explore that it will come out. And, and I feel like children kind of come to the world with that understanding, um, and without even knowing, it's not like they're walking around thinking, you know, I am creative. They just view the world through that lens just through a just through their everyday actions and somehow along the way we put on these um layers of expectations or also you know well that's you know we can't do that anymore because now we're grown up or we have to do it at a certain level and if we don't achieve a certain level if we're not you know a really good fine artist if we can't paint well we're not creative i don't know where all this comes from but over time we believe these things about ourselves and we lose touch with the fact that we are creative beings. We were created by a creator in his image Mm -hmm. and that means we're creative. And so um, getting 
back in touch with that and realizing that about myself in my adult years has been a really um, eye-opening and life-expanding experience for me. Well, you know, funnily enough, I did not think I was at all creative until I had children because I grew up being told that I couldn't do anything. I couldn't paint. I was, you know, I couldn't sew. I tried knitting and I definitely, I I admitted that I couldn't knit. I mean, my my wool got so sweaty in my hands. But I, you know, just, I I was just completely put off by everybody, any class that I ever took, creative class that I ever took, that I just gave up doing it. But when I had children, I would draw things for them because that was the only way I could, it wasn't the only way I could communicate with them, but it was a good way of communicating with them because I'm a wordy person and before they could read or write, they wanted stories from me. So I thought, well, I'll just draw something. So I just used little stick figures, but I could really, I could embellish them really well. And I was a good color and I was good with colors and that. They thought I was the best artist in the world, you know? I bet. And I would sing to them. And I was always told, you can't sing, you don't have a voice. And I would sing on, I'd make them birthday, audio birthday tapes. Um, of their favorite books and their favorite stories and I'd always sing I'd either sing passages or nursery rhymes or lullabies and they just thought I had a fantastic voice and so I looked at my husband who's a very creative person I think and the two of us I realized shoot I am creative it was just the people that I grew up with and around just put put me down for that so I have never put my children down. They've always been encouraged in their creativity. And, you know, you're right. They don't have to be that fine artist, but maybe they're good with colors. Maybe they're good with, you know, sort of looking at furniture and deciding how it looks in a room and or even organizing a file cabinet, for, for goodness sake. Not everybody can do that. That's all part of the creative process. Yeah. I think that's really interesting, Vivian, what you've described to me so far about your childhood and also the things I've listened to on your previous um, radio interviews. Like, you turned out pretty good <laughs> considering <laughs> all this negativity and this, this kind of, like, bought. Like, you, you, I feel like you were very, like, I, I just feel like squeezed listening to how you describe your childhood, like a squeezing. I know. Well, you know, the thing was, though, I didn't believe any of it. I had a dog in our, okay. we, had, we had a dog in our house that was a vicious little dog. And he would nip my ankles for any reason. It didn't really matter. And I was convinced the first thing I did when I left home was to buy a dog. Because I knew that not every dog was like that. And I also knew that not every childhood was like mine and that not every parent was like my parents. And I don't know, I just <laughs> had, this, had this force within me that kept me going and told me, you know, that's not what it's really like. Get out into the real world and find out. And I did. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I did. So I had this, I had something. I had people, good people praying for me. I always say I had, I had this, this, this yeah. layer of prayer laid out for me. And, and that, that's what, that's what did it. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Well, so any thoughts on, I mean, you know, a lot of us, aren't children anymore so we no longer think we're creative so any thoughts on finding out what your creative outlet is as an adult yeah um so first of all i actually wrote a little ebook about that very subject um for moms specifically because i understand what it's like to be a mom and especially a mom of young children where your time is so constrained and you just don't have you know, hours in your day um, just to kind of devote to some kind of art class or a creative practice of some kind. So I wrote a little ebook for moms um, called Nurturing Creativity. And, and so some of the ideas, I'll give you a few ideas from there and also just, you know, stuff in my own life. Um, so if you're trying to nurture creativity as an adult, you have to let yourself um, play and and what I mean by that is like we don't always we don't play the same way that children play, but play in terms of that you allow yourself to do things that will not necessarily have some kind of demonstrable 
outcome that will be, you know, you'll be able to say, oh, here, this is what, this is the productive thing I did with my time. So allowing yourself time where nothing productive has to come from that. And, and it could even be, this could be allowing yourself time for some kind of hands-on activity, or it could even be allowing yourself time to read and just kind of get into a different mental space that will then lead to creativity, you know? And so, um, I guess that mindset of not everything we do has to be productive. And so, and children know that and they live in that world and we allow them to live in that world because we can value that in a child's life. I think we have to value that also in our lives as adults. And so, I mean, another thing is time in nature. And for me, the more time I spend in nature, the more creative energy I feel comes into my life, the more ideas I get. And as a writer and as a photographer, I'm really inspired by nature. And I know my children, and their their creativity takes on different forms. And also my husband's is very different. Um, we're all inspired by being in nature. And just, I don't know what it is. Um, I think part of it is that there is literally no ceiling over our heads. Mm-hmm. There is no roof. There's no your ideas can just keep going and going and going. There's nothing up there saying, no, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And so when you're outside, that's the time, at least in our family life, where we just talk about those kind of crazy ideas or the creative ideas come to us while we're hiking for, you know, hours together. Um, For some people, it might be just spending time in their garden or, you know, walking or whatever. But being in nature, I think, really opens up something in us to start to think about our own creativity. Um, And then also, you know, this kind of relates to the productivity thing is you have to give yourself time and you have to give yourself permission to say, okay, this, I can try this. I can set aside this time and do this and nothing has to come from it um, except that it'll be an enjoying exploration of maybe what creativity might look like for me. And that could be some people are really creative in the kitchen. Some people, like you say, how you organize a filing cabinet can be a very creative act. <laughs> I've seen this. I've gone to people's blogs and I see how they, you know, even organize things and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different expressions of creativity and part of it for us as adults is getting over this idea that creativity looks like fill in the blank. It looks like being an artist who's paid for your work. It looks like, you know, um, being a musician. It looks like whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. You got to, you know, take those limits off of it because creativity is so much more than those limiting ideas. Well, yes, I know. You know, and I also, again, um, you know, sort of reading a magazine, I wrote an, in- I read an interview with Terence Stamp um, from the age of four he wanted to be an actor but he said he didn't say anything to his parents because he knew that his father would say people like us don't don't become people <laughs> like them you know and that was exactly how i was raised you know oh that's for those kinds of people over there it isn't for you you're kind of destined for this very normal blah life and i went ooh but the thing is that so what i didn't want to do this these things like act or dance or you know read music or to become famous for doing it i wanted to do it because i wanted to feel what it what it was like to do that you know yes and uh you know and and it it does it does help with other aspects of your life and you're right about going out you know, being outside too, because sitting at a computer screen, you can be creative sitting at a computer screen, don't get me wrong, but you know, I sit at my computer screen a lot because I love to write, and time just vanishes when I start writing, but there are times when I have to get up and go and say to my husband, we have to do something else, I can't sit looking at my computer screen any longer. (laughs) Yes, oh, I know about the computer screen time, because, you know, my husband is a computer programmer and part of his creativity actually is writing elegant code. He he calls it his poetry. Mm-hmm. And I, I would have never thought about computer programming that way before. Mm-hmm. But um so so there's that and then I also spend a lot of time writing and editing photos at the computer and my children now are coming into computer based creativity. So there's like this shift in our own lives in with that whole 
um, wow, we do a lot creatively on the computer, and there is that, okay, let's get outside now, you know, <laughs> we, need to, we need to be inspired again, we need to be, you know, kind of have that more grounded, you know, in nature feel, so... Yeah, a little a little bit of um, variation to your day, you know, sort of like the monastic style of, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, moderation, everything's fine in moderate balance is what they say actually, you know, balance your day, so balance. Yeah. Well, Renee, it's time for us to go on a short break, but we will be right back after these few little messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I'm back with Renee, and we're having fun with our little chit-chat here. And we're going to be talking about ideals. Renee, you said that you and Damien are idealists and getting worse with age. And I have to say that you always think, or I do anyway, that idealists and idealism is the, you know, sort of the the, I don't know, young people have that. They come out of college and they're all gung-ho to change the world. And then, you know, we look at them as adults and go, just wait until you get married and you have a mortgage and you have children. All of that's going to change. Obviously, it didn't with you. Or maybe your ideals change, but you still have ideals. So tell us about your ideals and how they've changed or not over the years. So I think my experience, Vivian, is flipped. I I was not an idealistic young person. I mean, I suppose as a teenager, I had certain ideals, and, and I was very much always rooting for the underdog. I was that kind of person, and, and I didn't I didn't like people to be taken advantage of, and that I had ideals around that, but I didn't have the you know, fresh out of college, I'm going to change the world. What I really wanted to do fresh out of university was... I was actually uh, got married well in university. I graduated uh, expecting our first child, and she was born a month after I graduated. Mm -hmm. All I wanted coming out of school was just to have just family life. I just wanted, you know, a good job uh, for my husband and have some security, you know, so I could raise our children. I kind of wanted, I imagined kind of, you know, uh, 
normal-ish, you know, white picket fence type of life, I guess. And so my own experience is kind of flipped um, because the things that I was seeking or that I thought I was seeking at that time, um, so what I came to realize is that, you know, the things that I valued most, which were um, a measure of security, I think we all want that. And we lots of us look to finances as what provides that. I don't think that's necessarily the, you know, the truth of it, but we look there. So, you know, we, we want security, we want freedom, we want love, acceptance, those kind of things. Um, what I came to realize as I went through my 20s and early 30s is that um, those, you could achieve those things or work towards those things um, outside of what I thought was the way you had to work towards those things, which was like, you know, a steady job and live in one place for a long time and raise your kids kind of in this one kind of manner. Um, so, so I kind of wanted what I thought, I, what I thought I had wanted when I was a young person. Um, I'm still kind of looking for that or trying to achieve that in my life, but kind of in a flipped, <laughs> in an upside down kind of way now, you know? So, um, so I think, I think those things that, um, those things that I was looking for as a young person, I'm realizing those in a different way. So maybe I actually was idealistic then, but I'm just, I'm just living it out differently now. I don't know. Well, maybe it was a simpler idealism. Maybe you knew what you wanted. You didn't quite know the logistics of how it was going to work. Yeah. Yeah. But, but now, I think. Yeah. But now I'm just open to much more uncertainty and much more let's try it, see how it works kind of thing. And I feel that that is often a young person's domain. Um, you know, we think that you get to a certain age and you can't try things anymore because what if you fail and you have all these responsibilities as, you know, as being parents. And I'm much more open to just try things and not know how, what the end outcome is going to be. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's kind of, you know, how I've become more idealistic. And, and also um, what we want now is just to have a, a large degree of freedom in our lives. And so we really don't want to be tied down to things. And maybe it was because we did marry young, had a family young, so there was a certain kind of tied down to that reality. And now as we get older, um, and, you know, I, I don't feel old, but, you know, as our children are, are growing and we're looking for the next, we're looking to the next stage where we won't actually have kids in our home anymore, mm -hmm. you know, we we just want to, we don't really want to be all that settled down. <laughs> so I think that's the whole, you know, a bit of idealism in there too. Well, you were saying that um, doing something without knowing what the outcome is. I, I found that with my when I first got married and had children, oh my gosh, my first child, I wouldn't take him anywhere around nap time. He went to bed at 6.30 in the evening, so nothing could interfere with that because I was, I was convinced that, you know, if he didn't, if he was disruptive, if that was disruptive, that would be it. His schedule would be gone. You know, I was very much a scheduled person. I was the perfectionist. Everything had to just go right. And if it didn't, I mean, it was the end of the world. Well, of course, with four children, there's absolutely no way. Well, there wasn't. It was a lot of work if I was going to try and do that with four children. And I became much more flexible. I became much more laid back. Um, I think my faith deepened. And I was allowed to hand a lot of it off, you know, and just not fret. Because fretting and worrying wasn't any good for me, you know. And it didn't change yeah. the situation at all. And so... I think as you get older, maybe you do kind of mellow out if you allow yourself to, you know, if, if you're open yeah. to it. And children are really good. You know, children are very adaptable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the other thing um, ab about this um, idealism idea, you know, when I was a young person and I would have ideas about things, and I wasn't particularly idealistic or have kind of crazy notions, I was a very... My personality type is pretty much like, I actually, it's surprising to me because my personality type is very much 
a status keeper, like a, a status keeper of the status quo. And and so I didn't have kind of crazy out of the box ideas that people were trying to squash. But as soon as those did kind of start to rise up in me, you know, a little bit later, there was this, oh, you just wait and see. And, and, and that nothing irks me more than that mentality when we tell young people or anybody when they have a dream or an idea and we 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 squash it with the oh that's real that's not the way real life works mm-hmm. or you just wait and see and i and i think part of allowing my own idealism to flourish has been in um giving my children freedom i don't want to squash their dreams at all and when they have ideas and when they want to explore things and then they're thinking optimistically about their future i'm not going to tell them well, that's not the way the world works. You just wait and see. And so another this is kind of like in that whole we talked about creativity. When I saw um, what my children were doing, it changed the way I thought about my own life. And so when I thought about giving my children unlimited options and potential, and it doesn't mean I, I give them, you know, we can, we, I don't mean unlimited as in terms of we can do everything for them, but I mean I don't want them thinking that their options are limited. Mm-hmm. And so why would I put that on myself? It's It was a matter of wanting to live the same life for me as an adult that I was trying to give my children. And, and that's when I really started to kind of take the lid off the, the, like the dream box and the, you know, the, okay, well, this isn't possible because I wasn't going to tell my kids that. So why would I tell myself that? Exactly. And, you know, by letting go, you draw things closer to you, I think. Yeah. You know, you, you let your children go, go and let them flourish and, you know, they'll respond to you in a different way. And uh, that that's what that's what we found. I, I always said to my children, you can do whatever you want to do if you're passionate enough about it, you can do it. And my son, my, my son who's just got married, he and his wife want to they want to have their own business and I'm sitting there and he's saying you know and then it'll be so much easier because we won't be nearly as busy as we are now they're working they were working (laughs) full time at the zoo and And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking oh shoot I I can't even list what his day is going to look like because I've had my own business I know exactly what it's like and he's he's going how long does it take to feed a bird how long does it take 20 minutes just to train it and I'm thinking there are so many other hidden things but he's going to learn that himself so I'm saying great that's great yes you'll have plenty of time to do other things but I said you know what when it comes time to you realizing that you can't do anything but your business that you you and your wife have decided to do that will become your life. That will be the most important thing in your life. You won't. You won't want to do these other things. That you know. You can't. You can't. Yeah. You, they've. They've got to experience that. So, we're just encouraging them. And gosh, while they're young, it's the best time to do it, isn't it? The best time, while they're young. You know, they've got all this enthusiasm. They don't have a lot to lose. And uh, yeah, you know, they can just go forward. So- and, you know. So, Vivian, it is the best time, but see, then even in saying that, it's almost like a, as you get older, you can't do those things. And and so, I know what you're saying. You're just trying to be encouraging, but I'm also trying to say that we need to, as we get older, still think this is still the this is still a good time to do this. To not feel like okay, my chance has passed. You know, I didn't do that when I was 20 or when I was 30, so I can't do that now. So, you know. I kind of take exception to those kind of like, well, you know, this is this is the best time to do it because, you know, there are it always is the best time. <laughs> it always is the best time. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, and I don't any longer have people telling me that no. What if you? And I said to my husband, I am banning that little two word phrase. What if? You know, yeah. because that just stops you from doing so much. And I, I think I have a little bit of that wild, you know, sort of jump off the high board without even checking what's beneath me, um, this trait in me. And my husband kind of, you know, pulls me in. Although, you know, I'm the Capricorn and he's the Leo, for goodness sake. You know, he's supposed to be the one that goes out and does wild things and I'm supposed to be the grounded one. And um, But we work together really well. But yes, yeah. you're right, you're right. And, um, 
you know, we will. We will do... Well, I'm determined not to grow old, you know, like my parents grew old, you know, just kind of... My grandmother, she used to say, um, well, um, I'll be there next Christmas if I'm still alive. And I thought, gosh, <laughs> she did that for like 20 years. And I thought, I am not going to do that. And, you know, and you just, you just ruin, you just, you just go, okay, well, I've just wasted, you know, 20 years of my life by imagining I'm going to die in a year. <laughs> just kind of, because yes. I'm old. So. Yeah, right. yeah. So your, um, what was I, what else was I going to ask you about ideals? Oh, yes. Um, so did your parents influence you in any way? How did they influence you? You know, what, what kind of parents did you have? Were they encouragers? What kind of parents? My parents were very, and are very encouraging. And um, I had a very kind of normal, um, I, I say that, I don't think really anything's that normal, but I had a very kind of solid, stable, live in one place, uh, you know, for my childhood experience. And um, and I'm, I'm the kind of person who, who, who tends to doubt my abilities to do things. And so I, I wasn't ever like think, trying to bite off more than I could chew or was saying, you know, Oh, I'm going to do this and this and this. And maybe they knew that about me. So the, any ideas I did have, they did want to encourage those in me, you know? Um, so, but my parents were and are very encouraging people. And one thing I really appreciate about them is that as an adult, they have never offered unsolicited advice. That's good. And I can imagine all the times that they have bit their tongues or whatever, mm -hmm. just kept their mouth shut as we have come to them with all kinds of different, you know, we're going to do this or ideas that didn't pan out. And um, I really have learned a lot from watching them do that. And I really want to give my own children that. But I am so opinionated. I, re I really hope I'll be able to like, just keep my opinions to myself unless they're asked for. Well, that's so. it. That, that is such a key. You know, don't give any advice unless you are actually, you know, sort of bluntly asked for it. And, and I do that. You know, I was a trained Stephen minister and one of our um, Stephen ministers that was training us would say that they, because you don't give advice to people, you just let them talk to you, talk, talk them through their problems. And his standard response to anything that they said was, and how's that working for you? <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I can say that, you know, my, my son was crazy and we were pretty verbal about it at the time because he wasn't married yet. But he and his fiance both gave up really good jobs as soon as he proposed and they were getting ready to get married because they were just too busy and they didn't have enough time to put their business plan together. And I'm going... <laughs> Hello, <laughs> health insurance, rent. I mean, how are you going to do this with no money? So they had to go out and get jobs that were even more demanding. They both work at a very exclusive Vietnamese and Thai restaurant and they work double shifts, you know, from 10 till 4 and then 4 till 12 and they never see each other now. And I'm going... Okay, I didn't. I'm, I'm not saying anything. My mouth is sealed. You know, I'm saying how's <laughs> your mouth is sealed. And they do. They do have. They they have bought two birds, and they are raising these birds, and they're bottle feeding them at the moment. It's quite interesting. But anyway, they're managing, and you know, they're 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 working it out. But I, you know, my husband and I are kind of looking at each other, going, "Oh my gosh, I don't believe they just did that." Oh well, not our lives. <laughs> I think I think that's going to be the the really hard thing for me as a homeschooling mom, Vivian, is, you know, I've had so much influence in my kids' life. Like, their whole day, you know, has been yeah. designed or managed by me. And as they get to be teenagers, less and less of it's managed by me. But that I have to let them go at some point and just say, okay, you know, we're here to help you if you need it. But you get to make these decisions now. I think that's going to be really scary for me. Yeah. But, you know, you grow into it. You, you've got time. It doesn't happen just tomorrow. All of a sudden, everything changes. <laughs> It'll be gradual. And you really do have to hold your tongue. My mother-in-law held her tongue. And I love her for it, you know. 
and yeah and, and that's it that's that's a really good way of having a relationship with your your in-laws and your adult children and with that we have to go on a short break just come back for five minutes and we'll go over where we can find renee online because i know you're going to go and want to want to go and read her blog how do you handle toddlers teens and tirades when homeschooling that's what we're working on now it's vivian mcninney the sociable homeschooler and we'll be right back after these everyday autism miracles with shannon pinrod friday afternoons at two one central on toginet.com Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. And I'm back with Renee. And, you know, the last time we were together, I said to you, tell us about your ebooks during this little bit. And you told us about your website, which you can tell us about again. But before you do that, Tell us about your ebooks because you've written three ebooks. You sound really busy. I don't know how on earth you found time to write any books. So first off, when did you find time to write a book, Renee? Well, they're really short, and that's the only way I can do it. I could not do a long book project. I am just more of an immediate satisfaction kind of person, <laughs> like these people who can write books for two years, and I, I couldn't do that. So I found time just by doing it. In, they're small. That's mm-hmm. how I did it. Mm-hmm. So which, what did you write about? We've, we heard about your um, nurturing creativity for months. Right. So I, yeah, I've written three short ebooks, And one of them, my first one, was about nurturing creativity. Mm-hmm. And that came out of my blog, actually. Uh, it came out of, it was going to be a blog post, but it ended up being a lot longer. And I just said, well, this is this could be a little ebook. Um, my second ebook is called Eat This, and it's about meal-sized salads. So you, have, you, you and I have talked a bit about nutrition um, and eating and dietary fads and things, but um, this is a book about how you can eat a meal-sized salad on a daily basis, or not even daily, but you know, as often as you want. I, I'm, I talk about how to do that and how to make healthy dressings to go with that. And my third uh, short ebook is about how to start a food buying club, um, which is basically to help you save money on these good groceries and you know feeding your family well, you know good food. And also the really cool thing about uh, starting and being a part of a food buying club is that you're building community at the same time. So it's not like just signing up to a discount store or shopping, you know at a Walmart and saving money or shopping at the big box store, whatever your brand happens to be where you are. This is about coming together with people in your community 
and building some food security around community and and also bringing good food into your house at a cheaper price than you know that 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 the health food store would offer or something like that so there you are there's another great topic for us to talk about you're going to have to come and visit me again on my show renee you there's no getting away i would love to it has been so much fun talking with you (laughs) so so whenever you want to i'd love to talk all right well um what else was i going to say oh and how do you sell them you sell them online right yeah, they're all digital. So the best place to find them is to go to my blog, um, which is Fimby, and I think you'll have a link to that. If not, people can just you know Google Fimby, F-I-M-B-Y. Okay. Okay. Well, Renee, thank you so much. All right. Well, I've been talking to Renee Tuga, and I know that um, you're going to want to hear her come back on my show again for a, um, another visit, and we'll be talking about some different things, and I'm, I'm sure she'll be happy to do that. And Renee, thank you so much for um, giving your time again um, to us and, and um, to my listeners, and you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. You also. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. I was talking to Renee Tugar, a homeschooler of three living on a mountainside in Quebec. She and her husband are location independent, which means they both work from home wherever they are and are outdoor enthusiasts. You can find Renee at www.fimby.tugar.net. And the link is on my website. Fimby stands for Fun in My Backyard. And Renee has been writing there about her family for eight years. So go and have a good read and buy some of her books while you're at it. We talked about creativity and ideals this time around. And I hope you enjoyed reacquainting yourself with Renee as much as I did. I watched a TED Talk given by Sir Ken Robinson, and which just happened to be Renee's all-time favourite too, with my Texan and Dorts called... Do Schools Kill Creativity? Sir Ken is an international speaker on education in the arts who believes we are educated to be good workers rather than creative thinkers. During his life of devotion to the arts, he has found that they are universally placed, as an afterthought, at the bottom of the education ladder. He poses the question, why isn't dance taught to children every day as maths is? He quotes Picasso as saying, every child is an artist. It's being able to grow up an artist that's so difficult. Somewhere during the school years, our fear of making mistakes is developed, and we're cornered into a place where academics rule, and we're steered away from what frees up our creativity. Not for a moment do I imagine all of us making a living from the arts, but creativity allows us to think in a different way, which will enhance our natural talent or help us with our interest. Once we've found our passion, be it molecular chemistry or Beethoven's chords, everything will change. I agree with Renee. Creativity is essential for our growth. Let's nurture it in our children. And on the subject of creativity, youngest Dortz, the dancer, realised something on her bucket list this week. She was invited to participate in a flash mob at three locations in London. The first one was the most exciting because it stopped traffic. The Oxford Circus intersection has a four-way traffic light system that goes green for pedestrians, giving them 45 seconds to cross to where they want to be. This was when they were going to be happening past and start dancing. Her blue-eyed dad and I went to see it and film it, and Dortz texted me from the other side of the street a long, long way away to stop filming. I was getting a read on the, I was getting a read on the site. It's supposed to be a surprise, she typed. I texted back, Are you kidding? Thousands of tourists are converged on Oxford Circus, and someone's going to guess what I'm up to. She said, ha ha, as they do. The next flash mob was Piccadilly Circus in front of a theatre where some men were doing a weird street dance for tips. They had their hats on the ground, enticing generosity. They weren't very good, but when Dortz and her troop got up to dance as if they were passers-by, the cheeky monkeys picked up their hats and went around the crowd, taking a collection as if the flash mob was part of their feeble act. The final stop was Leicester Square in front of Capitol Radio Building. There were cafes around, and as it started, all these businessmen came out with their iPhones, and I nearly got trampled. It was an experience and a half, and exciting for Dorts. Surprisingly, it was a hot, sunny day too, so a sticky and sweaty Betty sat next to someone we had left before her on the train home. 
And everything's about to change now as I close up my show for another week, but you'll have to wait until next week to find out what. Happy birthday to handsome blue-eyed cowboy this week. I won't say how old he is, but he is looking younger every year. We still need to sell the flat. Anyone want a lovely, quiet place 20 minutes from London? My brother and his sons are coming for brunch after Mass on Sunday. My Texan is getting out the frying pan to make pancakes again, or maybe not. Mm. Join me next week when I'll be back same time, same place with more adventures from Merry Old. In case you're wondering, that's on Friday at noon, Texas time, or 6 p.m. in London. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Renee Tugar, and you, my faithful listeners especially, Hannah, Joel, Rosemary, Kathleen, Jane, Olivia, Jacob, Esme, Millicent, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Take care and be safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.